Good morning, sons and daughters of God. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Welcome to worship. We join you on this seventh Sunday of Easter and pray that wherever you are watching, you know the blessings of an Easter life. Certainly our separation from each other has been long and trying, but we pray that these services of worship have helped you to feel connected to your sisters and brothers as the Holy Spirit draws us together. A brief word about our service this morning. As part of our nation's Memorial Day observance, we will take a few moments to remember and give thanks for those who have given their lives in service to our nation. If you were able to download a copy of our bulletin, the responses will be in bold print. If not, I will offer those responses for you. So now I invite you to light a candle as a sign of the presence of Christ as we worship together. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who calls us beloved children, who gathers us into one flock, who guides us into all truth. Amen. Please join in singing our opening hymn.
on this Memorial Day weekend. Let us turn our attention to those who have served our nation in its time of need and have given themselves completely in that service. Let us begin our time of worship with a moment of remembrance. We remember fallen soldiers and the sacrifice they made for the sake of others. Let us begin our time of worship with a moment of thanksgiving. We thank God for brave men and women who have given their lives so that we may worship without fear. Let us begin our time of worship with a moment of silence. For a moment is the least we can do for those that gave their eternity. Now we commit ourselves to work in penitence and faith for reconciliation between the nations, that all people may together live in freedom, justice, and peace. We pray for all who in bereavement, disability, and pain continue to suffer the consequences of fighting and terror. We remember with thanksgiving and sorrow those whose lives in wars and conflicts past and present have been given and taken away. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we remember them. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, from whose love in Christ we cannot be parted either by death or life, Hear our prayers and thanksgivings for all whom we remember this day. Fulfill in them the purpose of your love. Hear our prayers for all who strive for peace and all who yearn for justice. Help us, who today remember the cost of war, to work for a better tomorrow. Help us to remember that we look for the day when every sword will be replaced by a plow, that all may be fed and live in your peace. Forgive us every sin that makes for division and for war, and bring us all into your kingdom on earth as in heaven. And as we commend to you lives lost in terror and conflict, unite us in the end, to the peace of your presence. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. And now let us pray together. O God of glory, your Son Jesus Christ suffered for us and ascended to your right hand. Unite us with Christ and each other in suffering and in joy, that all the world may be drawn into your bountiful presence. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We continue with our readings. The first reading is from the book of Acts. 
Today's reading is part of the introduction to the narrative of the outpouring of the Spirit on Pentecost. These verses tell of the risen Lord's conversation with his disciples on the eve of his ascension, in which he promises that they will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. A reading from Acts. When the apostles had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. Word of God, Word of Life, thanks be to God. The second reading is from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4 verse 12 to 14, and chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. Our faith in Christ does not make us immune from the scorn of others. Nevertheless, we are to resist the designs of evil when we experience disparagement from others because we trust God's grace will strengthen and guide us. A reading from 1 Peter. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory, which is the Spirit of God, is resting on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary is the devil prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of God, the word of life.
Thanks be to God. The Gospel according to St. John. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it, and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace is yours from our risen Christ. Amen. I had an interesting and what I believe important conversation with one of our members this week. And the topic of the conversation was, surprise, church. We talked about what the church might look like as we move forward. We talked about in-person worship, making plans for the future. And then he said something very interesting. It sort of went like this. People comment that I go to church a lot, and they ask me about that. And I tell them why I go. I, I share with them why I like the congregation and what I like about it. And they seem really interested in it. They seem to want to know more until I tell them that I go to a Lutheran church. He said, then their eyes kind of gloss over and they seem to lose interest. They say things like, oh, I wasn't raised Lutheran or I'm not sure what they believe. He said that he tries to get people to come to church with him, but they really are reluctant when they realize we are a Lutheran church. I find that really interesting and informative. 
Because, as he described it, they seem to like the character of our church, but not the label of our church. Maybe the label has some baggage or an image that causes their resistance. If they don't know what it means to be a Lutheran Christian, it doesn't sound like they're very interested in finding out. But either way, without pursuing it further, it would be hard to know what their resistance really is. Yet certainly, part of the labeling has to do with their image of the church, what they think the church is about. And I wonder if we could help clear this up if we witnessed to them. Witnessing. Now there is a part of the Lutheran character that we don't spend a lot of time talking about. We don't consider witnessing to be part of our character. But maybe we should. Especially if we're going to take seriously what Jesus said his followers ought to do. Today in Acts, we, they want to know if it was time for them to set up the kingdom. But Jesus told them that timing was God's business. In the meantime, they had a job to do. And it wasn't just to be looking up at the clouds. He said, you will be a witness for me. Jesus was giving them a job description. You will witness for me from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And it must have worked. We are part of the church because they did their job spreading the good news of Jesus Christ until the church became the worldwide body of Christ. So obviously, being a witness is important to being a Christian. But is it? How seriously do we take that part of our job description, Lutheran or not? I attended a, a seminary graduation one year, and the preacher told the graduates that they had spent four long years preparing for what was a, a vital, vitally important job. But he also told them that the world really didn't care very much whether they succeeded or not, because most people believe they are pretty much just fine the way they are. But he told them that they should leave that place with the words of Jesus ringing in their ears, You will be my witnesses. Then he turned to the rest of the congregation and said, I'll bet a lot of you are really glad to hear that. You're happy to have these trained professionals to go out and do that job because it sort of lets you off the hook. You'll be glad to pay for somebody to do your job. How terribly sad that is. But how true. I suspect that most all of us would much rather spend our time gazing up into the clouds 
then we would, we would rather do that than, than be a witness for Jesus. But the fact is, all of us are witnesses. Our baptism service is our anointing service. And in that service, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. So let your light shine so that others will see it and give glory to God. Now, we probably know that. But still, the thought of witnessing makes us about as nervous as being cross-examined in a real trial. Right? I think a lot of us feel like, well, we're, you know, we're not trained to do it. We didn't go to seminary. We don't know the right things to say. Or maybe we're afraid that we say the wrong thing and do some kind of damage to the cause. I suspect a lot of us are, are kind of scared to be considered religious nuts by other people, like those folks who stand on the street corners and shout at you. And none of us really likes to feel rejection. So all of those are, are really valid points. I understand it, why it would make us want to hold back. But maybe witnessing is not as bad as we might think. Perhaps it would help to consider what a witness really does. Think about what a witness does as being part of a trial. Someone witnessed an event. And then they come and they witness to what happened. They testify to what happens. But it's important to remember that the witness never is in control about what happens after that. They're, they're not responsible for the outcome. All a witness does is to tell the truth as they understand it, as they experienced it. In other words, witnesses simply tell their story. That's exactly what the disciples did. They didn't make up a bunch of stuff. They, they saw it. They witnessed Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And then they told others about it. They weren't responsible for what happened after that. But they trusted that God would bless their work. And they let the Spirit take over. And the church spread until it covered the earth. As the church today, we still follow that same pattern, no matter what our label is. We gather together to be reminded of who we are, God's own children, loved, blessed. We're given the promise of forgiveness and, and new life. We are nourished around God's holy meal. And then we are sent out to share the good news with other people. We're not responsible for the outcome of our witnesses, of witnessing or our sharing. That's God's business. All we can do is let others know what Christ means in our lives and trust that God will use that as God chooses. But maybe that's 
part of the catch. Maybe that's why witnessing is still scary. Because let's admit it, sometimes we're not sure we can tell exactly what Christ means to us. It's hard to describe. Or maybe we're not really sure what our lives look like because of our relationship with Him. And maybe sometimes, myself included, we tend to believe that following Jesus is really just doing church stuff. And that's not very exciting to share with other people. But what's interesting is doing church stuff, all that church stuff is supposed to help us to grow closer to Christ, to understand Christ's love for us so that we can witness to his love. Mark Scott is a Lutheran pastor in Chapin, South Carolina, and one day on his way home from church, he saw a sign posted outside a church-run thrift shop. The sign said, Jesus loves you. Donations accepted. And I think that really is a good description of, of what I'm talking about. The Spirit creates the church so that we can know we are loved with a love beyond our imagining. Jesus loves us. There's no question about it. And being part of a church gives us the chance to practice sharing that love with each other. But our donations to the cause of Christ are joyfully accepted. Our donations are our call to witness, to share how much he loves us, to tell the truth as we experience it, to share the love we have here with the folks next door, the folks down the street, and the people across town, and to the ends of the earth. And the truth is, the rest is up to God. God creates the timing of our sharing. God produces the results, not us. But when we do our part, when we make our donation, we may never know the difference it might make in someone's life. Mildred Corey was worried what everyone would say as she sat in the church after the service. There had been a baptism that day, and the pastor was having pictures made with the family. Finally, he came by and asked if he could help her. Lovely service today, Pastor, she said. And then there was a long pause. My daughter, Tina, just had a baby. And, um, well, we, we thought the baby ought to be baptized. Mildred hesitated again. Tina's got no husband. She's only 18. She got pregnant, and 
Well, she wants the baby baptized, but she's, she's really nervous about coming and talking to you about it. The pastor said he would be glad to speak with Tina about it, and then he would take it up with the church council, which was the standard practice in that congregation. When the matter came up for discussion at the council meeting, there were lots of questions about whether or not Tina could keep her commitment to raise the child in the church. The pastor said he had talked to her and he was convinced that she could if the church would support her. But then there was the problem about standing up for them. In that church, the custom was to ask in the service, who stands with this child? And then the whole extended family would stand up together in support of the child's baptism. Everyone on the council knew what would happen. The question would be asked and only Mildred Corey would stand up. It would be awkward. It would be uncomfortable. It hurt them to think about that scene. But they approved it anyway. The church was full that day. It was near Christmas. And the crowds were always bigger then. Nervously, Tina slowly walked down the aisle holding her son. She would only look at the pastor. And she looked so alone. The pastor began the service of baptism. And then looking at Mildred, he asked, Who stands with this child? Slowly, Mildred began to stand, glancing from side to side, trying to smile. But then the, the pastor noticed something out of the corner of his eye. Angus McDonald, the elder whose grandson had been baptized a few weeks earlier, he stood up with his wife. And then one or two of the other elders began to stand, and, and pretty soon the entire congregation was standing up for little Jimmy and his mother Tina and her mother Mildred. Tina was crying. Mildred looked like she was going to faint for joy. But from that day on, Jimmy had a family who stood with him and showed him the face of Christ. They were witnesses to their faith of what God had done for them and that they believed that faith was meant to be shared. And share it they did. You know, as we begin to move into a new time of ministry in the days ahead, I believe if we could be that kind of church, one who knows Jesus loves us, 
and that our donations to the cause can change a life, if we could be that kind of church, then maybe it wouldn't really matter if we have a a Lutheran label or any kind of label. I believe folks would be interested to learn more about us. I believe they would come and want to be a part of us. The only way to find out if I'm right is for us to do our job. To be witnesses. To stand up for those who need to be loved. And to show them the face of Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace is yours from our risen Christ. Amen. We continue with our hymn.
Today we rejoice in the good news that we are joined to Christ in the waters of baptism and raised with him to new life. Therefore, I invite you to affirm your baptism with the Apostles' Creed, by which we baptize. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. The peace of the Lord be with you. The peace of Christ be with you. The peace of the Lord be with you. On this seventh Sunday of Easter, we gather in our homes and yet together as one, praying for the church, the world, and all who are in need. Our response to each petition is, your mercy is great. In this time of troubling separation, we pray to you, triune God, for the unity of your churches. Bind us together in the truth of your gospel. Make us witnesses of your mysterious might. As you bless the early disciples, for their unfolding ministry, bless those who lead and serve our local congregations. God of unity, hear us. Your mercy is great. Nurture the life of your creation. Support those who explore the mysteries of your universe. We praise you for all the scientists who have enriched our understanding of creation. Help all online teachers to instruct our children in the ways of nature. God of unity, hear us. Your mercy is great. As we prepare for Memorial Day, we pray for peace around the world. Protect all soldiers and assure them of your never-failing strength. Shield the vulnerable who live in paths of violence. We pray especially for the people of Afghanistan and Syria. God of unity, hear us. Your mercy is great. Come to the aid of all who suffer. We pray for those who are laden with grief, overwhelmed by anxiety, or struggling without medical care. Uphold all healthcare workers who attend to the coronavirus patients. Comfort all families and friends who cannot embrace their loved ones at the time of death. We give into your care all the sick, especially those we name here before you. Susan Bayman, Jesse Brock, 
Sam Green, Kay Katz, Earl Schofield, Mary Lou Schofield, Roger Strong, Ron Wagner, and those held in our hearts or on our lips. God of unity, hear us. Your mercy is great. Again, we pray, give the world a vaccine. God of unity, hear us. Your mercy is great. Grant your oneness to humankind, so marked by isolation and division. Bring harmony to families, rival gangs, distraught citizens, racial groupings, and members of our legislatures. Give to each individual a wholeness that is birthed in you. Make us one as you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are one. God of unity, hear us. Your mercy is great. To know you is to have eternal life. We praise you for the lives of all who have died in the faith and who now live in you. At the end, bring us all, with all your saints, into your presence. God of unity, hear us. Your mercy is great. Lastly, make us steadfast in the faith and graciously receive our personal petitions. God of unity, hear us. Your mercy is great. With bold confidence in your love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God of our past, our present, and our future, we place all for whom we pray into your circle of love, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Again, we welcome you to this time of worship as we continue to come through the wonder and uh, joy of technology. We're so glad that we have the opportunity to share uh, this through technology, and we, we will continue to do so just a little bit longer. Um, we have decided as a church that we will begin in-person worship on the first Sunday in June, June the 7th. Uh, we will do that in our ministry center.
because it is large enough to accommodate the social distancing. We will still uh, keep the crowd uh, uh, small, but we will be able to hold two services, uh, one at 8.30 and one at 10.30. Um, and uh, we will uh, be sending out more details about how uh, those services will be conducted. Uh, you'll find that information on our website, on our Facebook page, and we'll send it out in our uh, group email. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, but in the meantime, we will continue to uh, uh, have online worship as well. Uh, so if you're not able to come and be a part of the in-person worship, you may still worship uh, through uh, the technology, and that's a good thing. We want to say congratulations to all the folks who are, have graduated here recently or getting ready to. Uh, we certainly want to say a special word to those who uh, are members of the, our church family um, and uh, wish them well in their future. We hope that uh, as that future unfolds, that it will be uh, something that they will be able to rejoice in and, and move forward together uh, safely and prosperously. Speaking of being a witness, I want to invite you to have a ch take a chance at being a witness and invite you to join Susan and me. Uh, we have decided that we will tithe our um, stimulus check, our stimulus money, uh, to give it to the pastor's discretionary fund here at Reconciliation. Uh, in the days that come, uh, I am certain that we will see an increase in the number of people uh, seeking assistance with rent and uh, utility bills and things like that. Uh, and so we anticipate there being a lot of folks who will come uh, to seek that assistance here at Reconciliation. And as it just so happens, our discretionary fund is, is right low. So if you would uh, like to take some of the extra money that you received and can afford to do that, I invite you to give a gift to that fund so that you can witness to God's love throughout our community uh, through that support to our neighbors. Now, hear this assurance of grace. God has always loved you. God loves you now. And God will love you forever. This is the good news of Easter, the good news of new life. The good news that comes to us in the church, no matter what our label might be. But we go from this place, from our church into the world to witness, to make our donation, to sharing God's love. And as we go, we trust that God will bless us and keep us, that God's face will continue to shine on us with grace and mercy, that God will look upon us with favor and will give us peace. Amen. We close with our hymn.
Christ is risen just as he said. Go in peace. Share. Witness to the good news. Alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia.